This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers better help and the biggest loser had a baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Today on episode number 297, we're going to talk a little bit about this whole victim mentality. There's a, a new article about a study where they followed a bunch of people from the biggest loser and they're all kind of saying, hey, we just couldn't help ourselves, and they gained all the weight back, and yeah, blah, 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 blah. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to weight loss. We left our excuses in the past, and we've forgiven ourselves for abusing the gift that is our bodies. From this point forward, our health is more important. We will stay focused. We will stay determined. We will sacrifice now knowing that it's not going to be easy so that we can live a better tomorrow. We understand that weight loss is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about making lifestyle changes and that the only person who can stop you is you. You know where you are now and you know where you want to be. The new you begins today. Let's go. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it thin. I want to try it thin. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting. If you're new to the show, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a trainer, I'm just a person like you trying to lose weight in the basement, and as of this week, as I look at my phone, I went nowhere this week, which is better than going up, but uh, I was down earlier in the week, and then I kind of came back up, and you'll have that. Hope you had a good Mother's Day as I record this, and um, you know, it's your your path to health is not going to be a straight line. It's going to be kind of zigged and zagged. The key is to just not give up. So there's a study in the New York Times, and they're talking about season eight of The Biggest Loser. This one guy's name was Danny Cahill, I guess it is. And uh, he won. He weighed 191 pounds when he won, down from 430. But basically, he... In the years since, he's gained more than 100 pounds back, and uh, he's 5'11", and said, in fact, most of the season's 16 contestants have regained much of it all, their weight back, Uh, and some are even heavier than they were before they went on the show. And so what they did is they had a study of season eight's contestants. They followed them for six years, and this is basically kind of what they are saying. It's frightening and is amazing, says Dr. Hall, who's an expert on metabolism at the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. So I was just blown away. It has to do with the resting metabolism, which determines how many calories a person burns when at rest. When the show began, the contestants, though they were overweight, had normal metabolisms for their size. See, that right there, I'm like, wait a minute their metabolism was normal because I'm thinking if their metabolism was in good shape, they wouldn't have been on the biggest loser. But anyway, mean is meaning they were burning a normal number of calories for people of their weight. All right. I, I guess I get that when it ended, their metabolism had slowed radically and their bodies were not burning enough calories to maintain 
their thinner sizes. This, I'm like, how is that? Because you lose a ton of fat and you gain a bunch of muscle and muscle burns calories. How can it be that your metabolism is burning less calories than you did? Now, granted, a lot of the calories they burn is burned off through exercise. But nonetheless, you gain a lot of muscle. I'm like, what? And they said researchers knew that just about anybody who deliberately loses weight, even if they start a normal weight or even underweight, they will have a slower metabolism when the diet ends. So this is your way of saying, well, I don't want to go on a diet because my metabolism will slow down. So they were not surprised to see that uh, Biggest Loser contestants had slow metabolisms when the show ended. What happens in normal people is they starve themselves to death. Your body eats your muscle, and so when you hit your goal weight, you go back to eating what you were before, and your metabolism is slower because you burned up everything that used to burn calories. That's why I don't get this. Um, it says, as the years went by and the numbers on the scale climbed, the contestants' metabolisms did not recover. They became even slower, and the pounds kept piling on. It was if their bodies were intensifying their effort to pull the contestants back to their original weight. Their body wanted to be fat. Really? Really? And... uh. It says uh, Mr. Danny, in this case, regained more than 100 pounds uh, just to maintain his current weight of 295. Again, remember, he's 5'11". He now has to eat 800 calories a day less than a typical man his size. Anything more turns to fat. Because when you see this guy, there's no muscle here. There's So what happens, I think, what's really happening here is they build all this muscle and then they get, they win, they go home, and they do nothing. And that muscle just goes away. That's what I think is going on. And also keep in mind, they're, they're spotlighting all the people who gained. There are probably plenty of people that didn't gain the weight back. And the thing I thought was interesting is they do quote somebody here. Uh, Robert, Dr. Huyuzenga, the guy on the show, said he expected the contestants' metabolism rates to fall just after the show, but was hoping for a smaller drop. Well, again, you're not burning as many calories because you're not exercising seven hours a day. He says, unfortunately, many contestants are unable to find or afford adequate ongoing support with exercises, doctors, uh, psychologists, sleep specialists, and trainers, and that's something we all need to work hard to change. In other words, they quit exercising. And the finding, which will be published Monday in the journal Obesity, are part of a scientific push to answer some of the most fundamental questions about obesity. Researchers are figuring out why being fat makes so many people develop diabetes and other medical conditions, and they are searching for new ways to block the poison in fat. They are starting to unravel the reasons, here we go, in bold underline text, Biotic, bariatric surgery allows most people to lose significant amounts of weight when dieting often fails. So what is the, the one, ooh, bi, bariatric surgery here? And I'm telling you, whoever funded this the study, I bet, has ties to some sort of bariatric surgery. I'm just telling you, there's, there, this smells way too finicky. And there's, there's quotes from all these people saying the cravings are just too hard. Um, 
Yeah. Dr. David Ludwig, the director of New Balance Foundation Obesity Prevention Center at Boston Children's Hospital, was not involved in the research, said the findings show the need for new approaches to weight control. He cautioned that the study was limited by its small size, because it's only so many contestants, and a lack of a control group. So in other words, they didn't have a bunch of overweight people who didn't lose a bunch of weight. But he said he did find that the, the findings made sense. And so when you go to Boston Children's Hospital and you go to the obesity services, let's see what comes up on their website, shall we? No, I don't want to give feedback. Let's see. Oh, Adolescent Bariatric Surgery Program. Shocking. Do you see how this works with all these studies? If you have HBO, watch the John Oliver show. He goes about how scientific studies aren't very scientific anymore. In fact, let me play you a clip of this uh, with Danny and his wife here. All right. Rebecca Wright, a personal trainer, and her husband Daniel first met on season eight of The Biggest Loser. They together lost almost 250 pounds. But in the last six years, they've gained almost all the weight back. Daniel and I have never given up since Loser. We've seen some pretty big downfalls. We've put weight back on, but we've never stopped being healthy. Wright participated in a recent study that helps explain why she and many other contestants have regained most of their weight. Two more. The more successful you are at losing weight, the slower your metabolism will be and the more hungry you'll be. Dr. Kevin Hall led the study. He's a senior investigator at the National Institutes of Health in Washington, and he says the findings show how hard the body fights back against weight loss. These uh, Biggest Loser folks, not only did they cut their calories, but they increased the amount of exercise that they're doing by an enormous amount. Hi. However, despite that, their metabolic rate slowed dramatically. Up. Press. On the metabolism side of things, your body is trying to slow down and resist further weight loss and uh, actually promote weight regain. And you're fighting against that at the same time as you're fighting against an increased appetite. Rip it across, yes! So it's a little bit of a double whammy. And what happens to most people is that they, they can't uh, keep up the fight against the slowing of metabolism and the increased appetite. And so they slip backwards. And it's like asking someone to hold their breath. You can do it for a little while. But, uh, but it's very difficult to do it for much longer than, you know, a minute or two. two. One. <laughs> so I think when you hear that you have a slower metabolism, you're a little disheartened. We're bombarded by messages that say, here are seven things you can do to boost your metabolism. Uh, I saw on the program at 4 p.m. today that if I eat this, I'll have a faster metabolism. It's just word that's been thrown around since I was I, as young as I can remember. I have to stop at Aldi and get wraps for burritos. So when you first hear you have a slow metabolism, you're a little disheartened because you're like, well, does that mean I'm set? What does this mean? Like, I'm just doomed. I'm never going to be able to lose weight. Does that mean you throw the talent? No. You get to eat soon, Mia Moore. So now we know why this happens to us and why it's hard. So now it's like, oh, because someone, someone medically is saying, hey, it is hard. But it, the other answer is it's saying it's not impossible. There are people from the study who have maintained weight loss. So I think 
the point from the study is, oh, here's why I've been yo-yoing. So now what can I do to kind of design my life to not do that as much anymore? And this time doing it reasonably and doing it slower. So hopefully there's not this big swing that we saw after Biggest Loser. I'll put a link to this article, but in the video, they sit there and go, well, we're still healthy. I'm sorry. No, you're not. I mean, I don't want to judge or whatever, but you're not the picture of health. You're just not. You're way overweight. And I'm sorry, the amount of weight they are carrying is not, this is not accidental weight. You you don't accidentally gain 100 pounds. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy about this. And so the whole thing is like, you know, oh, well, I'm glad somebody told me. At least now I know. I love it at the end. Losing weight is hard. And keeping it off is hard, too. We've talked about this, how our food, if you eat processed food, if you eat at McDonald's and, and if you go to restaurants and you eat the mountains of food they bring to you and you're drinking a lot of soda and you're drinking a lot of alcohol and you're eating a lot of processed food, which has uh, high fructose corn syrup, it has a lot of fat and sugar that just makes your brain go, zah, you're kind of doomed. You got to change the way you eat. And that's the one thing that one picture of them eating and they were eating fries, but they were like baked fries. And I was kind of, cause that's my whole thing. I'm like, let's follow these people for six years and show me what they're eating. It was very, very interesting. But it, it, I mean, it's a really long thing about how, you know, people are fat. It's hard to lose weight. Um, you know, and all these people who've gained the weight back now also keep in mind, Something to think about here. These are people, okay, that got on a program. They got some notoriety in some cases. In some cases, they got jobs. They they were somewhat famous. And then when the next season started, well, they weren't. And then the next season, and then they were even less. And the next season, and now somebody comes along, and you've got a way to get the spotlight back. Now, am I saying these people got fat again to get back on TV? But here the one guy says, Rudy says, it's a disability of a malfunctioning metabolic system. And that's my whole thing. It's like, poor us, our metabolism doesn't work. And it just seems like we're all searching for anything to blame besides ourselves. There's nobody putting a gun to to Rudy's head to eat whatever he's doing. And I'm not saying there's, you know, there's some science behind this, but I'm like, and, and this is one of the things John Oliver said. In the past, a study would come out and somebody would say, well, based on my research and what I've done, I believe this. And then another set of scientists would take and follow your steps and see if they could reproduce the exact same results to kind of prove your hypothesis to see if it was reproduced. Nobody does that anymore because no, there's no money in proving something the second time, basically. It's really kind of weird in that aspect. So it will I just, I, the more I read it, I was like, there's something fishy going on here. And all these pictures of these past contestants. So if you're a big fan of The Biggest Loser, uh, you can check that out. But I just, to me, I'm like, I'm not, completely buying. I, I'm buying the fact that these people gained weight back, 
I'm not completely ready to just go, oh, well, it's too bad for them. They shouldn't have gone on the show and it ruined their metabolism. I'm just not buying it. It's, I know. Take the, the, that whole, I'm a victim of being on a TV show mentality and just stick it where the sun don't shine. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. So I'm still reading about the six pillars of self-esteem. This is the uh, audiobook from uh, Nathaniel Brandon. And he finally got to one of the pillars. And that is what he calls about living consciously. Now, I realize there are days on Monday when we go to work, they're like, ah, more coffee. But he's talking about conscious living, meaning, and it's not just about food choices. Because again, this book is about self-respect. And the reason I wanted to read this is because I think a lot of us self-medicate because we don't have a lot of self-respect. So that's why I'm reading a self-respect book on a weight loss show. And he, he says, if you were to wake up and say, today I'm going to be more, I guess you could call it self-aware, self-conscious about how my family is doing, about how I treat people, on how I think before I speak. Because he says, this is what happens with self-respect. Self-respect is based on how we see ourselves. And yes, to a certain extent, maybe how other people see us. But in the end, it's how we see ourselves. And he says, the problem is we go through life and we do a lot of things good. No problems. Everything's great. And then, unfortunately, well, there are some things that don't go great. And what happens that's the stuff we remember. And so when somebody comes up and goes, do you think you could help me? You go, I don't know. That one time with the thing and the thing. And you start to lack confidence because we can't forget the bad stuff. So when you live consciously, you can make better choices. You can be self-aware of your surroundings to make better choices. And so for me, when I heard this, I'm like, this is why, and I'm kind of bummed because I just started putting ads in it. I've been using MyFitnessPal for years. It's free, and it was recently purchased by Under Armour, the uh, clothing company. But this is an easy way to be aware, to be conscious of what you're putting in your pie hole. And it's not one of the things where, you know, we heard the clip of Danny, and the guy gained 100 pounds. It's not like he woke up one day and went, oh, what's that? Who attached a hundred pounds to me? It's not a surprise. I mean, I wake up every day and my hands are a little more wrinkled because it's this thing called age. And I'm glad that happens because if I just woke up one day, and my hands looked like this. I'd be like, Oh, what's wrong? You have to be self-aware. And when we are aware of ourselves, we can a make better choices and know that then starts to build self-confidence. So when we do bad things like eat bad food, that's going to stick. Well, okay. So now let's be aware of what we did and let's do something differently. And when you do that one day that you cooked all that food and you packaged it up so you could eat it all week, it was awesome. And remember you did that. 
And when you actually did the 10,000 steps that one day, because you were walking on the treadmill, that was a really, that was a good decision. And that's going to make it. So step one of self-esteem is to live consciously of what you're doing. And more importantly, what you're doing to others. Because sometimes we feel bad about ourselves because we hurt somebody else. And if you're just aware of your surroundings and what you're doing, how you're doing them. So start off in the morning and go, what could I, what, what could happen if I was a little more self-aware today? How I treated my coworkers, my family, my friends, my food choices. How could that affect my life? And then at the end of the day, do a review. Well, what happened? What, what did you pick up on that you, by living a little more consciously, helped your life? And then what you can do is do that every day. Do that morning exercise. And don't look at the previous day stuff. So you're going to have the same answer come over and over and over. And then at the end of the week, go back and look at all your pages of what did you think would happen and then what did happen. And by living consciously, it helps us understand our surroundings, understand what's going on, understand why we're doing things in some cases. And that can then lead to better self-esteem because we can make better choices. So the last thing I need to mention here is thank you to the few of you who've been going to logicalloss.com slash support. Here's the way this works. It doesn't cost you an extra dime. It doesn't. If you're shopping at Amazon, you can just go to logicalloss.com, click on the Amazon banner. It's going to cost you the exact same thing as if you went to amazon.com just straight there, except we get a small commission fee. We got to pay for media hosts. We got to pay for websites. We got to pay for newsletters. We got to pay for the domain name, microphones, all that stuff. And this is a way without having sponsors that you can help support the show. Just go out next time you're going to be shopping at Amazon. Go out there, click on that banner, and then go to Amazon again. Doesn't cost you an extra dime, and you're helping out the show. Now, if you're like Dave, I would love to do that. I'm just I'm not a shopper. Okay, we'll go to logicalloss.com. There are buttons there if you just want to donate. And look, we all, you know, you've probably seen Iron Man or Batman and Superman. And here's something to keep in mind when we're talking about, you know, hurting people's feelings. When you have, when you're on different sides of a fence, whether you're Iron Man (laughs) or uh, who's the other guy, Captain America, instead of looking what you hate about each other, why not find what you like about each other? Why don't, why don't you guys both go to the gym and spot each other? Find what you have in common. Superman, Batman, look, why don't you guys get together and go cape shopping, right? I'm sure there's like a capes or us somewhere that you could go to. Yeah, do that. But I say that because if you've gone to the movies lately, man, that's expensive. And I hope this show entertains you, informs you, educates you, inspires you. And if it does, how about slipping me a buck or two? It's half the price of a half. I spent $5 on a bottle of water at the movies. That was ridiculous. For a 20-ounce bottle of water, Mike, next time I'm smuggling it in my pants. Maybe that's a little too much information. I don't know. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting the show. Uh, I think some of us have been forgetting that. So that's just my thing to say, hey, can we kind of keep the donations coming and the shopping going on? Because this gets a little expensive after a time. So thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next week with another episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast.
Take care. God bless. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free on iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free, 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'm